0: Before we get started, I wanted to tell you about another great ESPN podcast, The CJ McCollum Show, where every week Pelicans guard CJ McCollum dishes on his life in and out of the NBA. His guest this week was me. They definitely scraped the bottom of the barrel, but hey, got to do what you got to do. We discussed surprise teams, MVP voting, how to fix the all-star game, load management, among other things. That's The CJ McCollum Show, available wherever you're listening now. And now... The Low Post. Welcome to the Low Post podcast. It's Friday morning, March 10th. We are 30 days from the end of the 2022 2023 regular season. And seemingly the entire Western Conference landscape is in some sort of wobbly, shambles, crisis, weirdness, other than the most stable franchise in the NBA, the Sacramento Kings, of course. And it's time to say, for the first time in a while, the three most anticipated words—not niche basketball podcasting, just basketball podcasting.
1: What up, Beck? <laughs> what up, Zach? When did you when did you graduate from niche to just mainstream basketball podcast? This is an amazing uh, development.
0: Hey, I can make the, I can make the, I can say whatever I want. It's my show. I can say whatever yeah, I want. You,
1: just, you can reclassify your podcast to whatever tier of podcasts out in the world there are. You have that ability. You have that authority.
0: Well, we were going to record this yesterday uh, on Thursday, and then the Durant and Luca MRIs were happening. I said, you know what? I don't want to sit here and record a podcast, and then Kevin Durant's out a month or something like that. And the Kevin Durant news um, broke last night. We should start with that as the Phoenix Suns traded anything and everything uh, for him and have not lost a game since acquiring him. Uh, Durant is going to be out, according to Woj, sometime uh, between two and three weeks. The team's update said reevaluated in three weeks. That puts you right around April 1, which leaves three to four games left in the regular season for this team to figure out what it wants to be and how it wants to play. Um, that's obviously a big deal. that's that's like uh, not optimal. Um, you'd like a little more time to see your team to see what what combinations work off the bench. What guy works best is the fifth guy alongside the core four uh, star starters. Yeah, I'll, I'll call him stars. I'll call DeAndre in a star. I'm in a good mood. It's Friday. Stars. Chris Paul, star? <laughs> yeah, he's a star. Chris Paul gets to keep sure. star status for as long as he plays. Um, and there was also a chance that maybe they could, given the chaos in Memphis and just how great this team could be, that they could maybe climb up into the two, three side of the bracket, which I think would make the Denver nuggets smile because I think the Suns, I have been calling them at the very least co-favorites and likely slight favorites in the West over the nuggets since acquiring Durant. And that's a problematic matchup for Jokic and pretty much everybody, honestly. And now I think the Suns are probably likely to just hang nice in that fourth spot. They have a four game cushion over everybody behind them and they won't have much time. And you know what, Howard, I don't really care. I just As long as Durant's healthy, I don't care. He is the most easily fittable superstar player in the history of the NBA. And from game one against the suddenly competent Charlotte Hornets, it was just a breeze of, let's try this action. Let's try that action. Let's try you posting up over here. Let's try you and Chris Paul running a pick and roll. And Devin, you come off a pin down on the other side. And oh my God, DeAndre, you're going to slip open. All that's the Durant part of it if he's healthy. Is easy. Um I will say, and I have said since they made this trade, this is the case with every star trade, and it doesn't mean they should have should not have made it. It does not mean they should not have made it. But the sons of Durant and Chris Paul and Devin Booker, should Durant get injured or Chris Paul get injured, are not one of these teams that can say, Oh, what was us? Just bad luck. You know, who could have seen that coming? This is baked in to the trade. Um, I've gone over the mechanics of the trade ad nauseum and why I think this was still a perfectly fine move for them to make. But this is part of the deal. Do you have any reactions to this, how they have looked with Durant, what you think this injury uh, does to the playoff race, anything of interest?
1: So when Durant made his debut with them and then proceeded the next couple of games after that to just look as seamless as possible, as if he'd been there his entire career. I love that it validated all of our our being the basketball punditry. Um, all of our impressions and assertions that, that he is this, I think you have said this many times, That many people have said, this plug-and-play superstar, right? He's so easy to fit, Kevin Durant. And, and that does him a disservice. He's not just plug-and-play. He
0: amplifies other superstars, yes. which is... Sometimes there's this diminishing returns of pairing superstar, top superstar, top superstar. He amplifies everyone all around him, every player type. And that is a talent. That is a talent amplifying other people.
1: Yes. No, to be able to still play uh, with a high usage and to still have the ball in your hands a lot and score at a high rate and everything else and not have it feel like it's taking away from anybody around you, right? Like that's what you're alluding to. You Plug and play doesn't mean like, oh, he just fits in. No, he does what he does, but he does it in a way that feels seamless and that does not uh, detract from or diminish anybody else that he's playing alongside. And so it it was it was fun to watch when he made his debut with the Suns and see like, Man, this is exactly what we all think, and it's fun to see that validated again, also because it just speaks so well of Kevin Durant and who he is and his makeup, his talents, but also his, I think, team-oriented focus, that you can be a dominant superstar in this league who thrives with the ball in your hands and not have it be at the expense of other guys, right? So he, he elevated, he amplified, as you said. All of that was great, but I still believe in my gut and I've I've checked my gut against various uh, you know uh, you know uh, players and coaches who know this game at a level b- beyond us before. I say okay, if they've only got 20 games to get him acclimated, that's still that matters though, right? Like I understand he's seamless, he's easy, he's a really smart player. Chris Paul's a really smart player. Devin Booker, like it's not hard to fit them together, but don't you still need some semblance of? rhythm and chemistry and a feel for each other and crunch time and lineups and rotations that fit around it and everything else. Doesn't that all still matter? Because if it doesn't, then what are we talking about all season when we're talking about chemistry with everybody else all the time? And the general sense from players, ex-players was, yes, yeah, those, those things matter. Maybe it matters a little less in this case, but it does matter. So the reason I brought that up at the time was i had like three or four potential concerns i was the tap the brakes guy when everybody said crown the suns the champions of the west or favorites in the west i was the tap the brakes guy only because i thought listen let's see how it goes they don't have much time there's very little to no precedent for a player of durant's caliber midseason joining another team and then taking them to the finals and he is joining a team with some other guys who need the ball in their hands a lot And, and and they did lose some depth and defense uh, along the way in the trade itself. All those things still have to matter on some level. It doesn't mean that they can't overcome them. I'm just saying, oh, and by the way, you know, Chris Paul and Kevin Durant have uh, massive injury histories, including this season and including every season for the last several years. Those are the reasons why I think we should at least make them a favorite and not the favorite is the way I kept putting it. Well, I, all-
0: I I said at the time of the trade that I will always think back to what one Smart, Very smart NBA front office person who was not involved Told me In reaction to the Clippers Thunder trade for Paul George Slash Paul George plus Kawhi Leonard He said It could go down as one of the worst trades in the history Of the NBA for the Clippers And it's a trade they absolutely had to make And yeah. I just think that's that's People get So enamored with the name That they ignore The potential downsides of it and I and, and, and it, they're just they're just real. Now, I think Phoenix would justifiably argue, and this is why I was fine with the trade. Number one, we don't face the same Brooklyn Nets. oh shit, everything fell apart, 2014, 15, 16 downside, because Devin Booker's 26. yeah and DeAndre Ayton, nitpick him all you want," is a 24 year- old really good player. That's a nice fortification.
1: Yes.
0: And number two, I think they concluded this core was not winning this core with John Collins on top of it was not going to win or whoever, just pick another good player that you add was not, would would have a very low chance compared to this current team of having, uh, of winning a championship. Whether you say, well, why don't you hold all your assets? Your Mikhail Bridges averaging 26 a game for the Nets. We're going to talk about him in a second. Um, and all your picks and the one swap you traded out the door and all that um, for, for the next guy in line who might be 28 and not 34. It's okay. Like, Who's the guy? Like, what are you? What are you waiting for? You've given yourself, and I said at the time, you trade all this stuff. You'd like to be favorites to win the championship, maybe clear favorites, and they're not. I don't think they're clear favorites to win the championship. I don't even think, know that they're clear favorites to win the West. But I think it. You just it's Kevin Durant, and you just have to swallow hard and do it. But the health is the big one that everyone just kind of rushed over. Like, oh, Kevin Durant's 34. Who cares? He gets hurt sometimes. Chris Paul's 37. Who cares? He gets hurt in the playoffs all the time. Well, look, you don't have an offseason to build your depth around them to get Ring Chaser 1 and Ring Chaser 2. Like, if one of them gets hurt at the wrong time, you're you're not going to win. Year one of a very small window is going to be toast. We are not there yet. I don't have any of the chemistry concerns that you do. We can talk about why, but I, I just don't. I don't have them.
1: Well, now that they're down to how many games are they going to have maximum together? Uh, assuming that we, you know, we don't know when Kevin Durant's coming back. Let's but say five. Let's just posit five. five, five more or five total in addition to the, what have they played? Three. So five more. All right. So, all right. So does eight games let's let's, Think of this another way because i know that the trade thing the midseason trade thing throws a whole other uh, uh curve into this idea of well there haven't been that many mid-season trades involving a player of kevin durant's caliber because how many players of kevin durant's caliber have there been in the history of the nba forget that if kevin durant had actually been traded to the phoenix Suns last summer when he first wanted to be and then proceeded to miss uh 74 of 82 and had not been there all season and suddenly joins them mid- late season there's still no precedent for a player of that caliber playing eight games for a, a contender and leading them somewhere having never played with them before and I think like there's something to the idea that the time together the teams that have been together will tell you all the time like we were, it's really the Warriors are a terrible example because last night it looked like they had uh just like met each other for the first time and had name tags that say hi my name is Draymond Hi, my name is Steph, uh, and they're they, they're they're so out of sync. But the Warriors, in general, we see them do these things, and immediately the, the commentary is, "Look at that! That's the stuff that's born of having played together for all these years—the read they have of each other, the feel they have for each other. All this—if if the continuity matters elsewhere, and, and we talk about it all the time—how does it not come into play at some point in a critical Game Five in a tied series this spring for the Suns, or a Game Seven? Or whatever it may be, if you don't have that same familiarity and and muscle memory, doesn't that have some impact? I mean, it's it's kind of an unknowable thing, right? It may matter. It, it may be the case that Durant's going to come back, play his five games, and they're just going to tear through the West for all we know. And and I will sit there and go, okay, I'm going to reevaluate what I ever thought about chemistry and the need for guys to have experience together. Uh, but I'm going to still go in with a little bit of skepticism until that.
0: Well, let's just – here's why – one of the reasons I don't think it matters. Just going Going up the standings from 10th in the West. So apologies to Utah and Oklahoma City who are 11th and 12th. No and apologies to there. The that's, Pelicans yeah. – Injuries, no continuity. The Lakers, injuries, trade, no continuity. The Mavericks, Luka Doncic, thank God his MRI came back clean, just made a huge trade, decimated their wing defense, no continuity. The Timberwolves, mega trade in the offseason. Carl Anthony Towns hurt all season, no continuity. Warriors, one game over five can can't win on the road, can't win playing six on four on the road. It's the most puzzling thing I've ever seen. They can't beat anyone on the road. I would like to see the Warriors play... I, I, I don't. Who is the team they could beat on the road every time? They can't beat the Pistons on the road. They can't beat the Hornets on the road. It's absolutely insane. Um, Clippers just dropped the rust grenade into their team. No continuity. Two games over five hundred. Suns above them. Grizzlies a mess. Kings just kicking their feet up, being like, "Hey, <laughs> we're the functional team now. Look at us. It's so
1: great. I'm and so no one's scared of them. So and then, and, Saturday, and then,
0: and no one is scared of them. And I actually think." Teams maybe shouldn't be scared of them. But I think this whole, like, people are just penciling in the Kings' like cute first-round exit. And I said this earlier this week. I don't want to get into it again. There is a universe in which we wake up and the Kings are in the conference finals if the seeds break right for them. And you watch them play. I watched their game against the Knicks last night. You watch them play these teams. Like, the way they play, their speed, their pace, Sabonis and Fox together, the shooting around them. You know, you can question their wing depth. You can question their overall depth, which seems to be like, pray Malik Monk hit some threes. And if he does, we have great depth. If we don't, they're good. And they're a pain to play against. And then at the top, of course, the Nuggets, who are banking on all sorts of continuity. That's all just right. I just so, don't like you. Look at the West, I? man. It's a mess. It's, it's a mess. It, if it, Kevin Durant it is comes a... back with five games <laughs> left, that's awesome. That's it great. A... That's enough. <laughs>
1: It's a freaking mess. And so if there's one year where it doesn't matter that your best player only played eight games with you, maybe this is the year. However, however, can I just, uh, well, let me ask one question. Then I'm going to point something out. Uh, um, if they could go back in time, do the Clippers not sign Russell Westbrook?
0: I don't want to, I don't want to talk about it. All anymore. right. Never
1: mind. All right. Here's the point I would make. Um, you just glossed over the fact that the two teams that you didn't make the snarky remark about no continuity are the two teams that are at the top of the standings, which, all right, Sabonis has been there for a season and a half now, and it's all working brilliantly, and they've had time together, and Fox and the rest of those guys have been playing together for a while, and the Nuggets have the same basic core for the last however many years, albeit with some injuries along the way, but finally are healthy. I don't know. Maybe it matters that those two teams are at the top of the Western Conference and they're the teams that are actually had their core together the longest. I don't know. Maybe. Well, look,
0: I mean the Kings have like zippo postseason experience outside of Harrison Barnes sure. and Sabonis. And I But I their just,
1: guys have been together.
0: Yeah. For a while, for a year. I mean, it's not like they're the it's like not like they're the Celtics in nineteen eighty eight, being
1: like we're playing our millionth playoff game together. Um like ninety game nine ninety something or whatever. It's probably a hundred games Kevin now. Kevin Durant is more than eight game. <laughs> I'm just saying. I know it's Kevin Durant. He's awesome. And if he comes back and actually stays healthy um, like the, the same caveats still apply, is all. Um, some combination of continuity, chemistry, health for the Suns. And it doesn't mean that they won't win the West anyway. They very well, so well might.
0: Let's talk about um, Denver for a second, and not Denver really, but um, because we're supposed to be talking about the East. That was the goal here. Um, as long as we're not talking about the MVP race. No, we're going to talk about the MVP right now. Um, <laughs> oh, no. Oh, so no. I don't want to talk about the MVP. <laughs> The MVP conversation has gone so far off the rails in like every single direction that everyone needs to just take a beat, go back dr- to your corners, drink a beer, remember what we're talking about. The game where people throw a little orange ball through a, a little orange ring. And just, you know, I think some of these conversations, including the most serious ones, are very worthy conversations and very interesting things to interrogate. I, I think. The tenor of it has become toxic. I think the topics are all fine and very worthy of discussion, including the race issue that Kendrick Perkins brought up. Um, I think that is very worthy of interrogation. And in fact, the the voters should be the ones that are interrogating it most deeply about themselves personally and their own biases that they may or may not be aware about. But the tone of the conversation has just got to chill out. There are three candidates for MVP right now: Jokic, Giannis, yes. and Embiid. Everyone has fallen off behind Agreed. them. Not falling off. It's not like Doncic and Tatum and et cetera Have fallen off, off. But those three, they're all incredible. All three are incredible
1: and all worthy, as they all have been worthy. for the last several seasons, in which we have con- con- continued to rotate them around for the last however five years. And I, and I have years.
0: said, even in past seasons, voting for Jokic, if if it's really close and you just can't. Find a separator that you like. Maybe you don't like the vorps and schnorps. That's fine. Maybe you, you don't like that Jokic is only taking 14 and a half shots a game. That's cool. If you if you if if it's literally splitting the thinnest of the hairs that are thinner than the ones on the top of my 45-year-old head, if it's that thin, I think it's actually okay to zoom all the way out, depending on what your preferences are as a voter, and consider history, consider postseason um, both projecting how this player will pro, does in the postseason going forward and has in the past. I, if those are tiebreakers for you, if those things matter to you as a voter, they matter to me, I, maybe less so than other voters who are sitting here thinking every night about Larry Bird and LeBron James never winning three in a row and Michael Jordan never winning three in a row. It's fine if those are tiebreakers. That's cool. You want to talk about all these big cultural issues? That's fine. All I'm asking is this, and I am asking it, I'm asking two things. The first thing I'm asking is do not yell and scream like someone voting for the guy that's not on your team is a moron who knows nothing about basketball and life because they happen to think Giannis is the MVP and not Jokic. And I am here specifically not talking about fans or media. I am specifically talking about people like Daryl Morey, who has frankly been juvenile on Twitter. And Daryl and I go back a long way. He's making these silly arguments about how... the And it all, to me, goes back to Russ over Harden in 2017, which is a vote neither you or I made. And Daryl Morey's a steward of the game. He's the general manager of the Sixers. Stop making fun of people who might vote for someone other than Embiid as if they're morons with your silly tweets of children playing little square peg round hole games. Michael Malone, stop ranting about how anyone who doesn't vote for Jokic for MVP... It's like, well, I guess they just don't want this guy to be MVP. What game are they watching? No, the other guys are awesome. You guys are stewards of the game. Stop doing this. You should be above this. And I understand you got to campaign for your guy. That's fine. You can campaign for your guy without being like, you're a moron if you don't vote for this guy. Daryl Morey's tweet was like something about voters trying to parse team success in individual numbers. Daryl Morey, you run the freaking nerd conference. You know better than anyone. The Sixers won, I think, three more games than the Nuggets last year. Their point differential was like 0.2 points per game different. You know there was no demonstrable difference in team success between the fourth-seeded Sixers and the sixth-seeded Nuggets last year. You know that. So stop trying to make this stupid straw man argument about team success in individual numbers. Stop doing it. You're all better than this. And the other thing I will say, Howard Beck, and then I will let you talk is – I keep seeing, and it's driving me crazy, all of this stuff about, well, how can you give Jokic the MVP when he hasn't done anything in the postseason? When did, when did when did Joel Embiid's postseason track record become better than Jokic's? They're essentially equivalent. They've both had one season where they were swept out of it, not swept, but dispatched easily in the first round with undermanned teams. That's last season for Jokic, the bubble season for Embiid when Simmons was hurt. Simmons is still hurt. That's a different story. Um, they've both had uh, several second-round losses, and one of them has made the conference finals. That is not Joel Embiid. That's Nikola Jokic. And Jokic's postseason numbers are just flat-out better than Embiid's. They don't include defense. I understand that. All I'm saying is this. If you're going to make these arguments, make them reasonably Go back and just go to basketball reference. If you're going to say, like, Jokic has done nothing in the playoffs, therefore I'm voting for Embiid, just just take 30 seconds and look at who's done more in the playoffs. That's all. I yeah. have no idea who I'm voting for. There are 15 games left in the season. I have, I will say there have been more games in the last two weeks. Chicago, Toronto, just this week. Where Jokic's passivity has been like, dude, can you take some shots? Like, can you take some shots? I think that whole like he's not taking enough shots is, is overblown, considering how many shots he creates for others, and that Denver has the second best offense in the league. But you know, look, I just I just wish we could have this conversation reasonably, and I guess we've reached a point where it's it's just not possible. Everyone is everyone is either right or a moron who should be thrown out of basketball and media forever. Should be fired. On the street, lose their families, their children, take away their house, take away their car.
1: <laughs> uh, Zach, like, literally, backed away from the mic just now as he uh, wound down his. Because it's for those basketball, who are not watching, man. It's supposed YouTube. to be fun. I know. We're supposed, to be, supposed to, to be able to have these fun. conversations yeah. and
0: just like have a good time
1: it's... with it. Right, um, and I want to say this too. This and this is not to let Perk off the hook because. The the latest round of insanity, which has gone on for over a week now, did start with some things he said that were framed with an inaccurate premise and then proceeded to other inaccurate statistics along the way. And I don't want to go into the, all that. And uh, great respect for Perk. And he's coming to this from a very different perspective as a former player. And he he like that lens is important. And he, I think the Perk, conversation- I love Perk. And
0: the- Perk's been on my podcast.
1: He's my friend. I read his entire book. It's really good. I have it on my shelf. I will get to it soon, I hope. Um I I'm but I want to let I want to remove him from the discussion on on one level which is that this thing is off the rails but it went off the rails long ago and it's not just this last week and it's not just that okay now we're also talking about race which as you point out listen racial bias Im- implicit racial bias is a thing it exists in the world studies have been done about imp- implicit racial bias in policing in housing in in bank loans in real estate and all kinds of things it it's real And yes, we should all consider it, but not within the context of the way that I think Perk presented it, because the way he did it, and I'm just going to say this, he not only denigrated MVPs won by three all-time greats, he impugned the integrity of the voters who made those votes as if those guys weren't worthy. Now, if we want to re-litigate old mvp races we can and especially one of nash's has been relitigated many times since it happened and that's fine but to say that these guys weren't worthy or that the to imply and he only implied it and i know perk has said i didn't say this it it was implying that the only reason they won was because they were white and that the voters were largely white and like that's like we're going off into a into a, a very unfortunate place there and it doesn't mean that we can't also talk about implicit racial bias which again is real it just means that Saying that that's the reason or implying that's the reason they won, I think, is a step too far. Um, it, it implies that they weren't worthy. They were worthy, all of them. And I didn't vote for Jokic the second year, to be clear. Like, And I didn't vote for Nash and Nowitzki because I couldn't vote those years because I was working for the New York Times, which doesn't allow its reporters to vote on awards. I voted for Jokic.
0: I wasn't covering the NBA then, to be clear. Right. So, um,
1: yeah. And- I, 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 I love when I can just say, like, you can't blame me for this one. If you want to argue that one, fine. I had no, no place in that one. I did vote for Jokic the first year he won it. I voted for Giannis last season. So, um and I, and I don't like you. I don't know who I'm, I, I don't know if I'm going to have a ballot because at the moment um I don't have an employer, but um so we'll, we'll see how the NBA decides that I should hopefully be doing some freelance soon that will keep me in the voting uh pool. We'll see. But as of, Tim Bontemps' last straw poll, I had Jokic. The first straw poll back in the fall, I can't or the winter, I can't even remember. Did I have Tatum? Did I have Curry? It does evolve over the course of the season, folks, and and nothing is certain yet. But to your point, and I want to bring it back to this: the toxicity of the MVP debate arrived a long time ago. It's been it's been increasing over the last couple of years, and there are part of it is driven by. You mentioned Daryl. I've had offline discussions with him. I won't go into it, but like I've talked to him about this because I, I feel like it's it is concerning uh, the way he has kind of um, weighed into this. And 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 and, and I don't know, try to put his thumb on the scale. This is feeling a lot like politics where people start grandstanding and and putting out creating these false binaries that make you either for or against freedom and that's what it's become. If you are against Joel Embiid, you're now against freedom and the American way. Um you're you are against all that is good about basketball. You don't understand. It's exactly as you said. We have these false binaries and 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 denigrating like if you don't understand why this guy's the MVP then you just don't know basketball. And there's so much lobbying going on and it's not even just from team representatives. It's sometimes it's from their trainers. It's from other people in basketball punditry on Twitter. It's if you are, the Jokic camp is now convinced that if every advanced stat in the history of mankind, in the history of uh, humankind, has concluded that Jokic has a far and away lead in all these advanced stats, your vorps and schnorps, as you put and, them, by, and by the then way, ergo he must be MVP and there's no argument against it. We and can't by the way, do this.
0: 24 hours ago, I was having a conversation with a team official about Jokic's defensive stats. Right. And there's this famous thing where Jokic, by the eye test, is this like clumsy OFI defender. And by defensive stats, he's like, should be first team all defense. And this person was arguing with me about those. And I said, Hey, man, look, I look at the stats because people are going to think, well, I'm a Vorps. I have the Vorps and Schnorps. And therefore, I should, I religiously am a zealot about those stats. I told this guy, listen, man, respectfully. You can recite all the Jokic defensive stats, stats you want and the Raptor and the Bipum and the defensive box whatever I watch the games he's not better than an average defensive player. I don't you can throw all the numbers at me you will not convince me that he is a way. good above average defensive center. So if people think I'm sitting here I wish I could tell you who this person was and he could <laughs> confirm it but like I'm sitting here saying I look at the stats And some I accept, and some I dismiss. The stats that are being like, well, Jokic should be X, Y, and top 50 defender. I'm throwing them out the window. I watch the games.
1: And we still don't have great, uh, at least publicly available, defensive metrics for individuals. So there's that. Um, And by the way, too... You, you you actually got on me a few years ago when I brought this up, so I, I hesitate to do it. But we've had many MVPs in the past who were not exactly known for the defensive tenacity or, or or being able to impact a game at a high level defensively. But when I mentioned Dirk Nowitzki's name, you got very mad at me. Um, but Nash, Nowitzki, Steph Curry, you Magic. voted
0: for James Harden in twenty seventeen. So you are Daryl. You and Daryl Morey are best friends now because you didn't deny James Harden his MVP. I voted for Kawhi Leonard that year and I got laughed at and no, I stand I, by that vote. But
1: the year, the year James Harden won, didn't you also vote for him? Yes. Uh, I, yeah. All right. So I voted for him for two years in a row, the year he won and the year that he lost to Russ. Um, and yeah, there's another one, James Harden, Russell Westbrook. There are plenty of MVPs who are not known for their defense and were in fact known as uh defensive minuses. So we can't all of a sudden use this as the defining reason to deny one guy in this case, Jokic. By the way, I'm just going to throw in one more thing. I, I, I don't want to throw it another hand grenade into this discussion. I do just want to say, though, if we're going to bring race in this, um, it has cut both ways over the years, because how many years are we on now, you know, 25 years in a row where every white European who comes over is immediately tagged as being soft? And like Jokic certainly suffers from the soft label still. Even after winning a couple Actually, of MVPs, I don't think he does. I, don't, I don't you don't think, think so? No, I, think, I, I don't think he's regarded. I think as there's soft. a. I don't. I don't know that it's said out loud, but I think there's still kind of an impression. I think, I do think that you know the burden that some guys have carried. I like the, the European imports. It has continued to this day on some level, and, and again when we talk about implicit racial bias, these it's implicit, right? These are unconscious things. And I think there's still kind of an unconscious knock on Jokic. He doesn't seem the part, especially as a center, because he's not a big, you know, interior dominating, dunk on you and humiliate you kind of player, right? He's not Shaq and he's not Ewing, he's not Akeem. Um, he's not Will Chamberlain. He, he's, he plays the position differently and, you know, black, white or otherwise, I, I do think his stylistically as a center, that has caused people some some you know uh, difficulty too in assessing him, right? So I, I'm just saying that the 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 unconscious bias things I do think run in in multiple directions on this. If we're going to talk about it and hopefully talk about it semi-intelligently, um, it is a thing that for many many years in the NBA, uh, players who look like and Jokic and come from where he comes from are viewed with a little bit of. Suspicion, at least upon uh, arrival, until you prove otherwise.
0: Yeah, I that's think all. honestly that has faded away. Um, that particular one. I also think it'd be a more interesting place to look at this issue would be the evaluation of coaches and coach of the year ballots, because that's been a huge issue within the NBA. Is sure. Um, why are coaches and front office people? Uh, but why are why are African Americans underrepresented among coaches and front office people when they dominate? The player pool and that that's another interesting one um let's stop talking
1: about well we we finally yeah the coaching ranks at least in the last couple of seasons has has, uh yeah it's been
0: 50 50 at times um which which it's been i I believe we reached the point where 15 or 16 of the 30 head coaches were black Because of the eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Shopping for Mother's Day is usually a challenge because you wait until the last minute. Shame on you, by the way. But Macy's Gift Finder makes it incredibly fast and easy to find the right gift just in time for Mother's Day. Whether you're shopping for your sister's first Mother's Day or your fashionista mom who loves to make a statement, Smart TV. So what are you waiting for? Mother's Day is May 12th. That's very soon. It'll be here before you know it. Macy's has the perfect gift guide to make picking something for your mom easy this year. Head to Macy's dot com slash giftfinder today. That's Macy's dot com slash giftfinder. There's been a lot of attention on the Western Conference play in race. Understandably, it's been chaos. There's a million teams in it. LeBron James's team is involved. I want to I want to flip it and talk about the East play-in race. And I want to go rapid fire from team number six, the Brooklyn Nets, the remnants of the Brooklyn Nets, to team number 12, the Indiana Pacers, who after an, a thrilling overtime win over the Houston Rockets last night, which I watched, uh, are now only a game behind the Bulls in 12th. So that is seven teams. Brooklyn 37-29, and 29, actually tied with the Knicks in the loss column. Jalen Brunson uh, had to leave last night's game with his f- a foot injury flaring up again. Hopefully he's fine. He's been outstanding. Um, the Nets are 4-7 and seven with Mikhail Bridges in the lineup, so they are falling back in the standings. Then the Heat are 7th, 35-32. and 32. The Hawks are 8th, 33-33, and 33, having just made a coaching change, the impact of which I have not really seen in their on-court play quite yet. The Raptors are ninth at 32 and 35. They are 6 and 5 with Jakob Pertl since the trade deadline. The Wizards, who have wonderful uniforms now and will never go away, are 31 and 35, clinging tenaciously. You like the to pink. Take. I think, I think pink? they should just it make it their... It? I think it's, it's pink and it should just be their uniform. It's better than... It's the best thing... It's the best thing that has happened to the Washington Wizards franchise since the Charlotte creamsicle Bobcats took Michael Kidd-Gilchrist with the number two pick in the draft and left Bradley Beal for them to take at three. Um, Then the Bulls at 30 and 36 and the Pacers at 30 and 37. Apologies to the Orlando Magic. I had to draw the line somewhere. Um, The most interesting subplots are there are three. Number one, can the Nets hold on to six? Number two, how does 7-8 versus 9-10 and 10 shake out? Right now, there's a two-game gap. The Heat and the Hawks are 7-8. and eight. That's a huge advantage in the play-in. And number three, can the Bulls or the Pacers crack this top 10? And particularly, the Bulls obviously have urgency to do it. They also have a better scoring margin than every single one of these teams except the Nets, who only have a better scoring margin than the Bulls because once upon a time, they had Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving and Ben Simmons on their team. Let's just go down the line, rapid fire a few minutes on each. You want to do that? Or do you have any general yeah. big picture thoughts?
1: Um, my general big picture thought, I was looking at this yesterday. So I hope that some of my stats aren't too outdated because I, I jotted a bunch of stuff down um, when we were still planning to do it yesterday afternoon before Thursday night's games. I did note this. So, because you m- mentioned initially that we're going to say six through 13. So that took us through Orlando. Sorry, Orlando. So it's, it's okay, but I'm going to include them just for this particular point. That's eight teams. Six of those eight are headed in the wrong direction and I think are headed for an off-season reckoning. Six of the eight. A reckoning, Howard? That sounds so dramatic. It's one of my favorite words. I'm, I'm sorry. There's like... I haven't written anything in a few weeks. Um, if I were writing, I would be writing about some reckonings. I, it's, it's, I've, I've, if you did a search on, on Howard Beck and reckoning, I, I don't know how many. I'd like be embarrassed you, how many times I've used that.
0: You come before the basketball gods and they render judgment. <laughs> <Yes>. Tommy Shepard, <laughs> you have hung on to Bradley Beal too long nine these years.
1: <laughs> Penance must be paid. That's the voice of God. That's a really wrathful sounding God right there. Well, if you're going to have a reckoning, it's not going to be fun. Uh, I mean, maybe he just wants to ask Tommy a few questions. (laughs) Um, Ted Leonsis? (laughs) Oh, Leonsis needs a reckoning. (laughs) Um, play-in is worthless. (laughs) If you keep this up for another, like, 30, 40 seconds, it's going to turn into Tibbs being the basketball god who's delivering the reckoning. (laughs) Trey Young? It's it's edging very close into your Tibbs repression. Pass the ball. Okay. <laughs> Ice. Um, six of the eight are heading in the wrong direction at the moment. That's Brooklyn. And I mean this overall. I don't mean this season. I mean b- g- globally, broadly. Brooklyn, Miami, Atlanta, Toronto, Washington, Chicago. These are all teams that uh, within the last couple of years, well, Washington's never been anywhere. They're just always trending in the wrong direction or just floating around aimlessly. But the others were all good to great teams that made uh, important playoff runs or in Chicago's case made a breakthrough six of these eight in that 6 through 13 group in the east are just heading in the in, in the wrong direction and when i say off season reckoning i just think like all right the nets are already had their reckoning but now they got to figure out what their new direction is the heat have have probably plateaued with this group the Hawks had just been kind of just lost, dazed, and confused ever since they made that conference finals unexpectedly. The Raptors have regressed. The Bulls were like, yay, we broke through. We kind of made a playoff. Thing. Oh wait, wait, what happened? Where are we now? Um, we should have blown it up at the deadline. We didn't. Uh, and then there's Washington, which is going to just keep Bradley Beal for the next fifty years. Um, and still be hovering somewhere three games below 500. So that's six of the eight. The only teams that are actually on the rise, normally when you have all this flux in like the midsection of the playoff bracket and just below the playoff bracket, you have some teams falling and some teams rising. The only ones that are truly like, seem to be on an upward trajectory and have youth and promise are the Magic and the Pacers. Everybody else in that six through eight is, uh, is, is going in for a basketball reckoning before the Tibbs sounding God that Zach just channeled. All right, let's go down to standings. Nets sixth. 10 and 16
0: since Durant got injured would feel like a different lifetime. Four yeah. and seven in their last 11 games. They've been bad on defense and worse on offense since the trade. Not to be, not unexpected. They are a mishmash now of disparate pieces that have not played together. Um, they don't really have a traditional experience number one option. Mikhail Bridges has been outstanding, continuing a trend that started over the holidays season in Phoenix when both Devin Booker and Chris Paul were hurt. And he like, I don't even know what the term is. He, he multiplied his pick and roll frequency by nine, nine times, nine times. And, and looked okay doing it. There's been a lot of Spencer Dinwiddie dribbling, um, the rotation has been all sorts of flux. Uh, Cam Thomas, sometimes... Is, that last night they played the whole bench against the Bucks because their starters were bad. Cam Thomas, Joe Harris, Seth Curry, their minutes go up and down and sometimes go to zero. Ben Simmons is just out with inflammation. He had his knee drained. I don't even know what to make of that anymore. They So they haven't had a backup center. They've been playing Finney Smith at center. Finney Smith hasn't made shots for them since the trade. They're just trying to cling to this edge that Durant built them and they have three games in the lost column of Miami. They also hold the tiebreaker right now. They've won the head to head tiebreaker over Miami, except Howard, someone has to win the Southeast division and will get a tiebreaker advantage over a non-division winner. Why the NBA still does this is just beyond my understanding. It's fine. If you want to have divisions, just like all you, all you teams are geographically close to each other. So you'll play more than you'll play some other teams why should it matter at all in determining playoff seeds i have no idea it's stupid and they should stop doing it i don't really have anything else to say about the nets except they did what they did with the trades they failed spectacularly with the super team they recouped a ton of picks and a ton of good players and this team that exists now is just a placeholder for what happens next i don't know you have anything
1: to say about the nets Placeholder for what happens next, Um, but there are two things that intrigue me. Um, One is that the uh, aforementioned Kevin Durant injury means that the Suns might lose a little bit more and give the the, the Nets a slightly better draft pick. There's that. Um, But there's also the Nets pick. Like, we've written off the idea of the Nets having a pick because of, oh, well, they gave everything to Houston. No, it's a swap this year. And the Rockets are so god-awful that unless i mean listen the, the ping pong balls could could backfire but the nets should actually want to be in the lottery like i like a late season tank here wouldn't be the worst idea in the world because if the nets are in the lottery the rockets have the far worse record and the nets will still end up with the lottery pick and even if by some weird you know ping pong ball bounce the nets leaped up ahead of the rockets and it's a swap well then they're still swapping to another lottery pick so the nets actually have incentive to lose right now um the other thing is just on the court, like one of the things that was interesting about the trades they made was they just brought in all these like really versatile wings and two you know, guys who all p- could play d- defense uh, at a high level across multiple positions. I thought they'd be better defensively. Like you knew they'd struggle offensively without Kyrie Irving and Kevin Durant. Duh, even with Mikhail Bridges all of a sudden turning into uh, whoever he's turning into. Um, By the
0: way, been- 53% shooting, 48% on threes. Like it's not, he's not like, Chucking yeah. up inefficient scoring numbers. No, he's, he's been amazing. The it's been This awesome. is the thing you'd like to see a little bit more of, sure. um, but that's, a, that's a, that's what happens when a guy who's never had this kind of role gets this kind of role.
1: Yeah. I, I, I thought with the the cushion they had that they still had a, a, a really good chance to stay in the top six and they still might because the the teams behind them are also flawed. Um, but they, they have been on a, on a, on a alarming trajectory. Um, and I, and, and worse than I thought they might be given they had like at least a lot of good, interesting players who, you know, at a minimum would defend. And I thought would be more, a little bit more like the, the Kenny Atkinson version of the nets where they just, you know, played their asses off and, and beat teams, uh, by out hustling them and, and scoring when, when they could. Um, but yeah, not, not much else on them.
0: Well, they're kind of small. And honestly, yep. one of the big impacts that Durant had in Phoenix immediately was they felt bigger and longer. And as I'm saying those words, I realize how they sound. You could feel Durant's size on the back line for Phoenix, the Phoenix team that had been playing Bridges at the four, Cam Johnson at the four. Like, that. that's a big thing. And Claxton, really, Claxton's had a bunch of single-digit games all in a row, except for one or two, maybe, um, in the last 15, 12 games, whatever it is. He's the one whose offense has really suffered without those guys to draw two to the ball and get him open, slipping to the rim. Okay, next in the standings, Miami. 35 and 32. 26th in offense. And we have to rebrand this season. 26th is last. 26th (laughs) is last among teams who are trying because that means the four teams below you are Charlotte, San Antonio, Houston, and... uh, Yeah. And who am I... Oh, Detroit. Detroit. Um, They are... Twelfth and seventh uh, in defense, they have the twenty third best worst point differential in the NBA, which is kind of crazy. And they are where they are because they have a, a really good record in just an enormous amount of close games. They've played more close games than anyone in the league, and it's 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 not even close. And you want to look at this team and say, well, they were one shot from the finals last year with essentially the same roster, like minus a PJ Tucker, plus a who, plus a you know healthy Victor Oladipo, plus healthy in theory maybe kyle lowry will come back and you know some bit parts here and there and they are plus six per 100 possessions when butler and bam play together just strong number it's not great strong uh are experienced. they're tenacious they know how to win in the playoffs they, they they could be they could be dangerous on the other hand they just haven't been very good um the top of the East is much better this year than it was last year when they were the number one seed and had home court throughout the playoffs. And to me this year, it just feels like some years you just feel like it's not going to happen. That's what this year feels like for Miami. Like it's just like Kyle Lowry has been out for so long and he wasn't very good when he was in. Now he's coming back. Like Victor Oladipo has missed a lot of time. He has actually looked pretty good lately. Do I trust that? Cody Zeller is like heavily involved now. Kevin Love is starting like it's it Kevin loves a big name and has done incredible things in the NBA. He's going to make the Hall of Fame. It's, it's not a great sign when like he just instantly becomes your starting power forward and you're like, can you can you give us like 20 minutes a night but we're probably going to close games with Caleb Martin, who's doing like a preposterous amount on both ends of the floor, guarding every point guard Trey Young did, Darius Garland bolster
1: call him Sean Marion this week. Did I did I hallucinate that? Did somebody I thought or somebody compared him to to Sean Marion?
0: I mean, I love Caleb Martin, and he has been outstanding. I hope I'm not getting that wrong on both ends of the floor. But let's not let's not invoke the name of uh, the Matrix here. Um, It just it just feels like every possession is such a grind for them to score. I mean, it's just you watch I, even on tv i'm like i'm t- i'm just like tired watching all these cuts and handoffs all of which lead to like bam taking a 13 foot jumper or jimmy taking a leaning floater they are team they are eastern conference team floater team floater is memphis miami is eastern conference team floater i just it feels like it's not going to happen this year they'll be the proverbial like uh-oh Miami in the first round, Uh uh-oh, and like they'll steal one of the first two games, and everybody'll be like, "Here come the Heat." Just feels like a tall order to beat those really good teams four times in seven games for these guys.
1: They're they're just uh, annoying enough, aggressive enough, tough enough, everything else to actually do more than just the the one game. uh Uh-oh, right. Like they, you know, they're gonna push somebody. Like there's, it's gonna be a six game series. Who knows? Maybe they even stretch a series to seven before. Like, then getting blown out in game seven or something because they just don't have the offense. Like, they're, I still think there's a little bit of uh oh there because nobody wants to deal with those guys. Uh, well, with, Jimmy
0: in the playoffs is, 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 uh, yes. whatever, wherever you rank him among regular season players,
1: he's five to seven spots higher than that in the playoffs. He is. And it's funny because for a guy who, like, he's a really unique, like, star of this era, right? Everybody else has these gaudy, gaudy stats and especially the scoring stats, and he doesn't. He just he 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 wins you games in a thousand other different ways. And then you get to the postseason and suddenly he's like going like, you know, twenty-five, eight, and eight or something. And you well, where'd that come from? He doesn't. And do putting that up like 40 season. once yeah. every six games if you really right. need it. And and shooting at a three-point percentage than he ever does in the regular season. Uh, I don't know, if that statistically bears out it feels like it though. Um So there, there, there's that weird element of, of unpredictability there, but yeah, it's what you said, like watching the, the heat and calves a couple nights back and it goes down to the last couple of minutes and the the heat, it's exactly what you said, Zach, it's painful watching them doing, working so hard to just try to find a shot. They just, there's no, not enough shot creation there. Um, they've always been getting by on you know defense and grit and and basketball smarts and and scheming and everything else but like the offense just doesn't have the firepower um they're they're we're way down toward the bottom in the NBA in three pointers made they're way down toward the bottom in three point percentage in an era of of three point dominance in this league like you can't be shooting 33% as a team from 3 which is what they are um they have three players who who are shooting over 34% from 3. Can I guess who they are? Wait, can I guess yes. who they are?
0: Yes. Over 34%,
1: which is a low 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 bar. Like that's not even that's barely passable. Is, is
0: can you just tell me are any of them guys who like don't
1: play so they're just it's just not
0: are they all rotation players?
1: Um uh w- one yes, no, two two yes, one uh, sort of occasionally.
0: Tyler Hero, yes. Gabe Vincent, no. All right. Well, I've done quite well on this quiz. Maybe uh, <laughs> I should just quit while I'm ahead. Caleb Martin, <laughs>
1: yes. Um, and the the okay. third one is is a who he play for All Star if there were such a thing.
0: O- okay. O- all right. Be- be-
1: because if we put brought this to the Turner uh, uh, studio crew, they would not. Well,
0: well, don't know. tell me. Hold on. This is great audio right now. Me struggling to <laughs> find out who who this could be. Um, why am I, it's not Max Struce, he's had a bad year of shooting. Um uh I give up. I don't care. Heywood Highsmith. Oh, okay, forget it. <laughs> I, 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 he's not in the rotation. You, you misled well, he, he, me. He, no, you he misled played a bunch me of games. on my own podcast.
1: Earlier in the season he played a bunch of games. He okay,
0: was, let's talk. I still so I still think look, the Heat are going to make the play-in at worst. The only interesting subplot sure. to me is, are they seven or eight, or can they catch Brooklyn for six? And they, they are going to be an unpleasant team to play in the playoffs. Let's go to the next team in the standings, the Atlanta Hawks. 33-33, and 33, two-game cushion um, on Toronto. Uh, Quinn Snyder has been the coach for a hot minute. Uh, not much has changed. They still um, don't take very many threes. They're, their rim frequency has increased a little bit. There's been a little some tweaks to the offense, like Murray and and Trey Young are running a couple pick and rolls together here and there. You, but it's it's hard to put your imprint on a team with 20 games to go, um, the same holdover coaching staff below you, um, which will not probably be the case next year once he has it once Quinn Snyder has a chance to make over the staff. Um, the Hawks. I mean, the reckoning. The reckoning. <laughs> The Hawks do have four home games in the bag and a middling, you know, middle-of-the-road schedule, so they should be in good shape here. Their starting lineup is plus 11 per 100 possessions. And I think they're, they're pretty deep. It's been interesting to see Quinn Snyder and even Nate McMillan before him juggle since the trade deadline. You have these two guards who are going to play 35 minutes a game. And then competing for minutes at the 2, 3, and the 4 you know, the two when one of the guards rests are Bogdanovich, Sadiq Bey, AJ Griffin, who's been benched lately, DeAndre Ayton, John Collins, and Jalen Johnson. It's a lot of guys, and when I watch them play, it feels like just feels to me, this is just my common sense take. It feels like Bogdan Bogdan Bogdanovich will be on another team next year. And John Collins, I mean I don't I'm afraid to say it, um, if they don't trade John Collins this summer they should give him like a 0.01% equity stake in the franchise. If you if they don't trade him now when he some games he doesn't play very much, they just lost a a two-game series against Miami, lost both games. The first one he was like invisible. They should give him something if they don't trade him this summer. I the Hawks are fine. The Hawks are okay. They're fine. They'll be in they'll be 7 or 8, probably sneak into the playoffs, probably be first round road kill again. Like I just I can't get fired up talking about the Hawks.
1: Has John Collins and the Hawks set the record yet for most consecutive months on the trade block without being traded? Look, I am not sure who that list else who else is on that. It, it he's got there's got to be some sort of unofficial record there. Call Springfield. It's been
0: um, it's been a while, and again with this crowded guy, they 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 have leaned in more and more to playing Sadiq Bey and DeAndre Hunter at the three and the four with the with the two-star guards and either Capella or Okongwu, who I love. Both of them, actually, I love. And and that's why it just feels to me that just common sense feels like Bogdanovich and Collins are the ones who get squeezed this summer and end up somewhere else. Obviously, the playoffs can change everything. And I like J- Jalen Johnson has been getting minutes over Griffin. I like Griffin, and I, Jalen Johnson's been good lately. He's a little spastic out there, but... um he's plays really hard defensively Has good instincts and he's, he's super athletic. He had an incredible putback dunk against Miami the other day. If he can make shots and he's taking threes, I think he's shooting 30% on 80 something attempts this year. he barely shot him before that 26 of 86. Um, He's an interesting player. There's just like, I just, the trade DeJounte Murray thing, considering what they traded. 60s to 70 games in. The Trey Young DeJounte, Murray Perry has pairing has not worked. Like it and it, it, it the reason I know it hasn't worked is because they traded three valuable draft picks and they're 33 and 33 and those guys have been mostly healthy. Yeah. So they have yeah. work to do to get that to a place where it works cuz right now they made a big trade and they're not any better for having made it.
1: The Haw- a couple quick uh, data points here. The Hawks have not won 3 games in a row since mid-January when they won 5 straight. Um that's a little alarming. It's funny. There's a symmetry here, Zach. You and I started this season doing the most confusing teams uh, podcast going into the season, and I feel like as I was compiling just just going down this list yesterday and, and, and jotting stuff down, there's a lot of confusing teams now here at the end where I, I still don't know. Like I still ex- I still look at the Hawks and think they should be better than this. They just should like I understand like there's some awkwardness there with the backcourt and there's some you know an experiment that maybe hasn't worked and maybe won't work um and maybe they have to reassess and, and decide to trade uh one of those two guys um but I still think they should be better than this and so I I I did the I, I didn't get to the on off oh no way I do have the on off also their current starting five Trey DeJounte Hunter Collins Capella uh that starting lineup is 20 and 14. Yeah, they're uh, plus
0: eleven per under possessions really plus good eleven per one hundred.
1: Yes, so twenty and fourteen um, is like a forty-eight win pace. So when I say I feel like they should be better than this, they are actually better than this. If if that lineup had played more together, so there's there's like you know, is that a silver lining? Is that an upside? Is that proof that, that this could actually still work? Maybe. Um, I don't know, but but for now, they just feel they're very frustratingly un- underwhelming. Um, they do have. There's 16 games left, 10 at home, and they haven't been all that much better at home than on on the road, if I recall. But um, but that's in their favor. So if we're if we're looking at the you know where's the 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 um, where's the potential movement in all this, you know they could overtake the Heat potentially if they get on a little roll here down the stretch under Quinn Snyder. Uh, maybe something clicks into place. Um, I don't know if they get to sixth, but um, taller. I, I, What's that? It's a taller tall order. order. Tall. Yeah, order. no. the The nets have to really the nets have to really lean into the tank thing, um, but the Hawks can, can can leapfrog the Heat for sure, and then it's just a matter of how far the Nets fall or 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 elect to fall. I
0: am one hundred percent against the Nets leaning into the tank. By the way, I think they should try really hard to make the playoffs and salvage something of this season. Give these guys some postseason experience together, but that's neither here nor there. Let's go to the next. So that's like if we're tiering teams, there's a slight. Fall off now between Atlanta and then these next four teams Toronto, Washington, Chicago, and Indiana, who will not go away and is 28 and 26 with Tyrese Halliburton in the lineup, 2 and 11 mm-hmm. without him. With Tyrese Halliburton and Miles Turner, they're just a good team. Like they're a, good, maybe overstating it. They're a solid team that's as good as any of these other teams, none of whom are over 500, none of whom are within two games of 500. So that's no great shakes. The NFL schedule drops this week, and you can be there to catch all the action live and in person with Vivid Seats. Experience every touchdown, every tackle, every eye-popping play of your favorite team. And to kick it off, Vivid Seats, the official ticketing partner of ESPN, is offering you $20 off your first $200 ticket purchase with code LOW. That's code LOW, L-O-W-E, my last name, the name of this podcast. Download the app or visit VividSeats.com today. Vivid Seats, experience it live. For the ones who get it done. Granger offers high quality supplies and solutions for every industry, as well as access to product specialists who have the knowledge and experience to answer your toughest questions. Plus, their commitment to being your safety partner can help you keep your facility safe and your people safer. Call or click Granger.com or just stop by. Start with any one of these that you want. Who's the most interesting team to you? Who has the most to gain or most to lose here? Um, in this race, this is teams nine to 12 in the East,
1: right? So Raptors, wizards, bulls, Pacers, like the most intriguing is the Pacers just because as I mentioned earlier, like they're young and on the upswing and you mentioned the record with Tyrese Halliburton, if he doesn't go down a few weeks back, um, they're, they're probably not in this predicament. They're more solidly in that play in group. Um, I I suspect the Pacers will end up in like if we were if we were just predicting this right now because uh, we all love making predictions. I think the Pacers make the play in, and 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 probably Ooh, dis- that's yeah. that's that's not unspicy. They their odds
0: are very very bad. Like the projection system gives them like a twenty five percent chance of making the play in, but that's because a, a lot of those factored in like they would be really bad before the season. So the priors is the stats people like to say were bad. And their scoring margin is miles worse than all these teams. Part of that was built up when Halliburton was injured and they were getting the doors blown off them.
1: Yeah. I just, I don't, I, I don't know what to make of the Bulls. Um, I, I, I don't trust the Wizards at all. Um, and the the, the pace like the Pacers feel like the team that wants to be there, right? I'm not. I don't know if some of these other teams want to be there. There was an interesting observation that somebody made, or just a, a comment somebody made to me when I at the trade deadline when the Raptors traded for Pirtle, and everybody had been talking about like the parts that they were going to sell off, right? They're going to be sellers, not buyers. Everything else, and I said to somebody uh, with another team, "What do you make of them going the other direction?" And you mentioned earlier the stat: they're six and five with Jakob Pirtle um and by the way 11th in defensive rating during that time and defense has, has plagued them all season so he certainly has propped them up so maybe you know maybe that was the right move um but I said what do you what do you make of that why are they going why are they doubling down on what seems like a lost season and the comment this this uh, official with another team made was the Raptors front office still totally believes in this group and the, and acquiring yaka was a vote of confidence in what they think this group can still do with maybe you know a, a, a defensive minded big man behind that group but the players don't the the The, hmm. the add-on was the the, the the front office still believes I, I think it was i'm not sure if the players do and that was interesting by the way fred van vliet um epic epic uh officiating rant and only got th- thirty five thousand dollars. i i'm not advocating that it should have been more by any stretch and i love fred van vliet and I love candor, and uh, while I I wasn't sure if that was all justified or or uh, you you had actually a great thing on this um, on TV the other day Zach, but so you said it very well. I, I like it's it's just not supportable. But like, listen, I, guys speak their mind. I'm always going to be in favor of guys speaking their mind. Uh, I'm just like in this league in this league going after the officials to that level and naming a guy and then basically saying like two thirds of the officials on any given night. Wow. Um, David David Stern needless to say uh would have levied a much much harsher penalty than 35,000 but that's neither here nor there. I thought
0: it was 30, not 35. Was it? I think it was I don't was know. It? Um it was, whatever it was Fred VanVleet I oh, mean maybe sweating a little bit. It's $30,000. Like even if you make $20 million a year, $30,000 is a car, man. That's like $30,000 is
1: a is a Toyota sedan. It's 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 something. I don't know how much um, cars
0: cost by the way. That might not buy you a Toyota sedan. I don't know. It's it it's, it's one something. month of
1: it's one month of rent in New York. That's what it is. Um so I will say this though. I I do think um that when when a player or a coach goes that far, I think the danger is You know, if if you were just picking on one referee by name, it's one thing. When you've basically said like two out of three on any given night, like, look, people are human. We talked about implicit bias earlier. People are human. Um, Referees might be looking at you a little sideways after that, and you're probably not getting the benefit of the doubt. Or at the times in the game where you're going to now try to argue a call when they've been, you know, generally tolerant in this era of guys coming at them to argue a call, to complain, everything else, you might get a shorter fuse if the referees think you've just impugned all of them. So I'm not sure it's the most advisable way to go about this. Um, but anyway,
0: um, well, let's, let's talk about the Raptors and the Pacers since we started with them. Yeah. One of them is ninth. That's Toronto. And one of them is 12th. That's the Pacers. So at the top and the bottom of this mini tier, um, the Raptors have the toughest remaining schedule left in the conference, uh, but they have been much better with Pirtle, his defense. And I think it's just adding another guy who doesn't want to hold the ball who just wants to screen and like facilitate from the elbow, has really just sort of loosened up their half-court offense. They're 26th in half-court offense. Remember what I told you about 26th? 26th is last. The is teams last. below them are the yeah. tank brigade in yeah. half-court offense, according to Cleaning the Glass. And they still play the same basic way. They just want to win the offensive rebounding, turnover, possession game, and they can't shoot. It's all, you know. But Van Vliet has been playing a lot better lately. The Van Vliet-Purtle pick and roll has kind of changed their offense. It's it's complicated Scotty Barnes' role a little bit because he had emerged as kind of their de facto screen-setting quote-unquote center. Um, there's, there's a lot of talent here, and I think the Purtle trade to that executive's point was interesting almost not in so much as it was a vote of confidence in this season as it was a signal that they want to continue to be pretty good going forward, and they think they have a way to reshape their team in the pretty near term, probably around Siakam, definitely around Barnes to become better than what they are now, which is mediocre. I mean, that's what their record is. You are what you record, what your record is. Um, I think they're probably in the aggregate better than mediocre, but this mix hasn't worked, which makes this off season to me a time when they're obviously going to be pretty active. Van Vliet's going to be likely a free agent. Um, Gary Trent Jr., who's coming off the bench now, is going to be a free agent. Um, and they have decisions to make again with Ananobi, who will be extension eligible pretty soon. And the CBA comes into that and all that. But that's the signal to me on them. But they're just like – they're a good team. I just – the offense just hasn't worked. It just – they just – the offense and the they're, – they're mediocre. They're 16th in offense, 18th in defense. Their scoring margin is basically dead even for the season. This hasn't been that good. The Pacers – have the easiest one of the easiest schedules left uh, in the Eastern Conference, which gives them a a fighting chance. I think more so than the than the uh, projection systems indicate. Ben Matherin got injured last night, took a bad fall on his foot that that could change things for them. Although they're starting to get stuff from Chris Duarte. Finally, I love watching their team. Man, Halliburton is a freaking artist, and Miles Turner Miles Turner has had the best totally untalked about season. I, just, I guess people don't care about the Pacers. Miles Turner has been awesome this season. Everyone knows about the defense. People think of him as this sort of pick-and-pop, spot-up shooter. The transformation for him this season, and Halliburton deserves credit for this too, is he's become much more of a roller, rim-pressure guy, um, just interior threat than he's been in the past. And they play all these four-guard lineups around him. My favorite pacer stat, by the way, when they play Halliburton, Buddy Heald, Matherin, who's just a tank, and Miles Turner, those four guys, so they're three best veterans, if you want to call Halliburton a veteran now, and their rookie, first team all-rookie candidate, he's not a rookie of the year candidate, I'm sorry, Ben Matherin, they are plus 12 per 100 possessions, <clears throat> that quartet, plus 94 points in 291 minutes, that's fun, man. That's pretty fun. The Pacers wow. are fun. Where they're is, going, I don't know because yeah. compared to these other rebuilding teams, now they have a, they have an all-star in Halliburton. Does Halliburton ever become a top 10 to 12 player in the NBA? With that build, it's going to be tough. And they just don't have the bites at the apple draft-wise that these other rebuilding teams do, especially if they're going to be a decent team. They have Boston's pick this year, Cleveland's pick this year, Probably Houston's second-round pick this year, which is a good pick, but the Boston, Cleveland picks are going to be man, and that's it for extra picks. So it's long-term. We'll see, but they are a delight to watch, and they I, I, I wouldn't be shocked if they make the play-in. Like they're not far behind, and they have an easy schedule. And the evidence suggests they're a five-hundred team with Tyrese Halliburton.
1: Yeah, um, all of which uh, is is why I I, I have. I know it's it's a it's a it's a tough road but I do have a certain amount of confidence in them um they are you know it, it, it it's 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 an unproven team in, you know, with with this configuration right like it is still like not youth young but Halliburton has just kind of become this guy over the last year or so and it's you know a year plus with the Pacers he was becoming that guy in Sacramento so there's you know like. If, if if it's pressure down the stretch, right, the virtual playoff games that aren't playoff games, the games you have to win just to make the play in, and it becomes like a playoff uh, type of intensity or, or pressure for them. We'll see how they respond to that. But um, but yeah, there's also, as you say, that's it's 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 truly at its core a lot of veterans here with with you know guys like Turner and Heald. Um, so I, I like I like who the Pacers are. I think they're fun. I think they're interesting. I think they're promising. You're right. The draft capital and and the tools to improve going forward, once we get to the offseason are are difficult. But that's also a front office that I think has been pretty savvy, right? Just acquiring Halliburton in the first place, acquiring uh, Sabonis and Oladipo for Paul George. Um, at the t- like they 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 manage to to make the right bets when they have to do something dramatic.
0: I liked the Turner extension, too, and the way they structured it to be a balloon payment this year and a pretty reasonable rate going forward. I think that if they ever want to trade him, I think he will have some value on that deal. And look, the lack of draft capital and all this, like part of the reason you get all draft this draft capital is to get a player like Tyrese Halliburton. And they got that guy um, already. Uh, They have, you know, like they're supposed. Andrew Nebhart has kind of fallen off a little bit Aaron Neesmith's all right like they have a lot of all right guys the backup center positions a little bit of a mishmash of Isaiah Jackson and Jalen Smith but they're well coached they're fun to watch and they have a star point guard and a rookie in Matherin who has can clearly score and I think has looked a little better like his tunnel vision has not been as bad in the last month he's throwing more passes he's not just barreling kind of blindly to the rim um I don't know if I'll pick them to make the play in, but they got a shot. Let's talk. Let's wrap with uh, Washington and Chicago. Um, The Bulls, I think, have the most at stake among all of these teams. They are 30 and 36. It feels like they've been playing better lately because Zach Levine has been on a heater and they just beat the Nuggets in Denver and the Nuggets have only lost five times all season at home. Like that's that's like three wins beating the Nuggets in Denver. It's like three wins, but it really is only one win. And then you look and it's like they're four and nine in their last thirteen games. Four and nine. They're twenty-fourth in offense and sixth in defense. And I've said this before if you had told me at the beginning of the season, the Bulls built around DeMar DeRozan, Zach Levine, and Nikola Vucevic would be sixth in defense, sixty-six games into the season, I would have said, wow. Top four seed? Yeah. like, four, Are they in the 4-5 yeah. or five series? For their offense to be 24th is a disaster. It, it's it been unwatchable for most of the season. They don't shoot threes. They don't get to the line. They don't offensive rebound. They just sort of hand the ball. Okay, handoff, dribble. Pull, okay, who wants to take a pull-up two now? Damar, you want to do it? Okay, we'll just kind of move around. No one really does anything. No one gets into the teeth of the. Deal. Okay, we'll post Vooch. Vooch, you get a couple jump hooks. Cute, nice. Never get to the foul line. Take a jump hook. But they've put this new starting five with Beverly and Caruso in place of Pat Williams and Iodisumnu, who was overmatched, frankly, as the nominal point guard. Has has some like ferocity and juice to it. it doesn't have any like extra shooting or all that much playmaking. It does have more playmaking. But it's just got some like speed and nasty and physicality and unpleasantness to it. And it's killing it, man. That lineup is plus 58 in 130 minutes. I don't know, man. Given what they traded, their pick is top four protected out the door to Orlando. They better make the freaking (laughs) play. Like they better make it. And they have a pretty hard schedule going forward. Even split of home and road games. Their tiebreaker situation is pretty good with most of these teams. I feel like they're going to be hell-bent on making it, and they're going to crash the party at the expense of the Wizards. I don't know why I think that. The Wizards have a bunch of home games in hand and have been pretty good when healthy. I just feel like if you look, at, if you stack up the players, like how are the Bulls not going to make the play-in? I know Lonzo... I guess we're talking about the Lonzo news that Woj reported yesterday that he might need a third surgery. And he is the thing that ties a lot of this together. But man... Yeah, make the play in. Can we? Can you make Lonzo the play? Lonzo not
1: Yeah, Lonzo Ball isn't the reason that their offense is is blah. Like, I like think, his absence. I think he'd help a lot. He would help. Playmaking helps. Having somebody else to handle the ball and set How guys up. About someone up and,
0: who yeah. shoots threes, other than
1: Levine, that would help. Um, but he's not the reason that they're what twenty fourth or or whatever in offensive efficiency. Um, so I, I I think we're still like. The impression that they left right before the all-star break was they're just ready to cash out. They lost six in a row heading into the all-star break. uh, Lest we forget they've, they've kind of recovered a little since then, but it was by beating Brooklyn without Kyrie and KD beating the wizards who are the wizards beating the pistons who are tanking and, and and then the surprising win over Denver, but it gives the illusion of them being a lot better than they are because they won at Denver and because they had a few wins in recent memory, but like, you mentioned the schedule's tough coming for the Bulls. And this is why among the reasons I don't have faith that they're going to actually hold on because I think they're more they're probably closer to the team that lost 6 in a row before the All-Star break than they are this team that has sort of evened out recently. They they've got a home game against Sacramento coming up and Minnesota, Miami, they go on the road at they've a back-to-back with Philly home and road. That's tough. They have a, a three game road trip out West to Portland and the two LA teams. That's tough. Then they come home and play the Lakers again. Maybe LeBron's back. Um, even if he's not like AD's, you know, playing like a beast. Um, they have a home game against Memphis. They they finish the season out with they've got uh, road games at Milwaukee and Dallas and then finish uh, with a home game against Detroit. But like, well, there's I a mean, lot of fine. tough games in there. Fine. There's a lot of tough games in there. Maybe they're not going to make the play in.
0: <laughs> I mean, I know they had a hard schedule. I said they had a hard schedule. But when you just list the teams. It's you know what, though? This team has gacked away so many games against bad teams and played the good teams better than they played the bad teams that maybe that's healthy for them and their whatever dysfunction they're playing with. They also have, again, a, a bet, the best scoring margin of all these teams. Yeah. And the reason they're where they are, or one of the reasons is, they're they have been the worst crunch time team in the NBA after being insanely amazing last year and all the you know smart people are like well they'll never be able to duplicate that again DeMar DeRozan will never have that kind of season again shooting at the crunch time and those people were right damn it they Can were we put right that
1: voice in charge of the reckoning to offset the uh, the the Tibbsian, uh, angry god <laughs> maybe they're a panel
0: yeah they could be a panel. <laughs>
1: You traded so much for
0: Nikola Vucevic, you will be damned. <laughs> Enjoy the 12th pick. Uh,
1: we, um, need an animated, we need an animated version of this where you're voicing them. We got to get my Game of Zones friends back.
0: Uh, I don't even know what I was saying. Oh, oh, <laughs> there's 6-19 in games that are within three points in the last three minutes. It's hard to be that bad unless you're tr- not trying to win games. So, you know, who knows? I don't know. They have a lot of players I like. I just, I you read the schedule. Yeah. I, they're gonna win a fair share of these games. They they just are. They're, they're this is what they do. They're gonna win a fair share of these games. And I don't know if they if they can't if they can't get past the Wizards. Who are, Wait. the Wizards are good. The Wizards are fine. They're plus five per one hundred possessions when they have Beal, Porzingis, and Kuzma. And when they have Beal and Porzingis, Kuzma doesn't feel needed to shoot 5,000 times a game because God knows there's been a lot of Kyle Kuzma going on this season. He's been pretty good. DeLon Wright's been amazing. What's their
1: record in the pink uniforms? That's what I want to know.
0: Well, they're number one in my heart, whatever it is. I don't care what their record (laughs) is. The uniforms are beautiful. Beautiful. I'm going to D.C. shortly, and I will be buying not a uniform because I'm a 45-year-old man and I cannot wear a basketball jersey in good conscience, no. but a, t- a T-shirt version of the Cherry Blossom uniform. I just have to pick up either a blank one or a, what, what player would I like to... If they have a DeLon Wright 55 Cherry <laughs> Blossom T-shirt, <laughs> I love DeLon Wright. I just Sometimes you just have a soft swap for guys. I love DeLon Wright. I um, have nothing else interesting to say about these two teams. I really don't. No. It's just the Bulls are depressing. The Lonzo stuff just sucks. And, you know, both of them are are uh, long-term. It's like, what are we really doing here? Um, One team has played a lot of cards to get here. That's Chicago and has lost a lot of talent out the door. And I saw, I can't remember who tweeted it last night, but like Lowry Markin was torching the Magic who didn't have Wendell Carter Jr., who's been the bulwark of their defense and was like, man, the Bulls had both of those dudes. Then before that, they had Jimmy Butler. And, and they don't have Franz Wagner. and It's just not great. It's not no, great, it's, but.
1: It's, 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 not, it's not great. It's not great. I mean, listen, uh, odds aside, records aside, schedules, uh, everything else aside, I think we could agree that, that we'd all just rather see if we're going to pick a ten like if the Heat Hawks and Raptors are all making at the minimum the play-in and there's only one spot up for grabs between the teams we just discussed, I think the basketball universe would rather see the Pacers, like Bulls and Wizards fans, notwithstanding. The Pacers are the team that would be the most fun to throw into the mix there because they are the young team on the rise. It's always fun to see a young team make its first playoff and or now play in debut and 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 you know try to make their mark and they'll be feisty and they'll they'll really want it. It'll mean something to them as opposed to a Wizards team that feels like even with some pieces that are more recent is just feels played out and a bulls team that you know already has like just whatever whatever luster there was if there was any just feels gone i just the pacers are the, are the most that's 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 the that's the team that the basketball uh gods should should grant us if tibs if if angry tibs god isn't too angry
0: i can't believe a I'm saying, that. first of all, I don't like watching the Raptors. I find the Raptors hard to watch this year. I think That's it's fair. just, it's, it's like playing in sludge. It's just, and I, and I was yeah, saying yeah, if there was only one spot up for grabs, but you're right. I know what you're saying. I just feel like the Raptors should not be grandfathered in because they're the Raptors. I, I can't believe I'm saying this. I think just purely entertainment purposes, like who would I rather watch of those teams you mentioned? I'm taking Washington. I just, I kind of like watching the wizards. Porzingis is good and they really do love the thing uniforms. where they where <laughs> they they start the two centers together Porzingis and Gafford and that's worked then they separate them in a lot of games they never play together again after their first stints together and then they play Porzingis at the five a lot and it's like oh my god they have a lot of shooting so much shooting that teams are putting their centers on Denny Abdia, who's a reluctant and not good shooter. And putting wings on poor Zingus, which is kind of an interesting strategic gambit we see versions of around the league, but it's fun to watch the Wizards problem solve around all that. Um, I, I kind of like uh, Corey Kispert's big bandana headband is nice. I like that. He runs around, <laughs> he's got great hair. He looks like Roger Federer out there, like Roger Federer playing Wimbledon in 2001 or something. He looks great. great. Um, I, I just, and Beale is a really stylish player. He's just—he's really crafty yes. and fun to watch. He—he's the—he might be the best in the NBA at the Steve Nash dribble under the hoop thing. But what he does, and Chris Paul does this too, is he'll stop and take a like a twelve-foot jumper along the baseline and make it. Like seemingly, I—I I think they're kind of fun to watch. This is the most positive Wizards coverage they've ever gotten on a national NBA podcast <laughs> in like fifteen years. <laughs> right now, <laughs> happening right now.
1: Uh, niche or non-niche basketball podcasts either way. Kuzma,
0: my Kuzma's just out there being like I'm a free agent, I'm shooting. Like I'm shooting, when I get the ball, I'm shooting and I'm shooting again. Then I'm going to shoot more and in crunch time, I'm going to keep shooting and I don't really care. I'm going to ke- it's fun to watch.
1: There's there's something to that. There, there's something to that. I'm 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 with you. Uh I'll, I'll I still lean Pacers for intrigue and upside and youth and getting to watch Tyrese Halliburton do things, but um, you're, yeah, you're 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 not wrong. Um, hey,
0: Charlotte's only eleven games out in the loss column, Howard. They're nine and ten in their last nineteen games. Maybe if they go on a run, the Hornets, the suddenly competent Hornets, they're only eleven games out.
1: Listen, in a couple of years, when when uh, Adam Silver has introduced the play-in to the play-in tournament, where the thirteen through fifteen teams play for the right to play the eleventh and twelfth uh, winner. Who then gets to play the tenth winner? <laughs> we'll get they there. should
0: they should remember when you were a kid and like the the base minimum you would get for participating in any sport, like for me it was swimming. Was like, all right, you came like seventh out of eight or something, you would get the brown participation ribbon. Like that was brown. like that was the worst <laughs> ribbon to get was the brown <laughs> ribbon, and it just said like participant <laughs> on it or something. That's what and it's they brown should. for a reason. <laughs> they, they should – that's what the winner of the Southeast Division should get this year. A big brown <laughs> banner that the NBA makes them hang in their arena that just says, number one participant, Southeast Division 2022-2023. Congratulations on your stupid tiebreaker.
1: I was uh, the very first soc- youth soccer team I ever played on when I was like in fourth grade or something. Uh, we lost – every game that season however many games a fourth grade soccer team plays we lost every game and at, at our uh, at our post-season pizza party to celebrate that it was all over i guess uh, they handed out trophies to all of us and it was like you know those little marble looking stands with the little brass looking or yeah, whatever guy trophy. kicking the ball with it but it wasn't the guy kicking the ball it was just the ball on a little pedestal but the 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 inscription on all of them it had your name and the name of the team which was like I don't know the Panthers or something I can't remember exactly and beneath that it said in quotes I tried. Oh really? That's that what it was said? our participation trophy. I tried. It said I tried. We, we, we it, it was it was kind of like the 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 sardonic humor of of the coaches who who ordered up these trophies. It was kind of like the yeah we lost. There's them all, no way
0: these are league sanctioned trophies if they're being oh, no. sorry, if they're hey, man, if they're undermining the accomplishments of the young children it, it, involved.
1: It was. It, it was it was the 70s, man. Like uh, no Nobody cared about hurting anybody's feelings. We were okay with making fun of the fact that we sucked. It was it the
0: was... 70s, man. Phil Jackson was cruising around <laughs> New York.
1: You don't know, man. You don't know. You kids. You just don't know how it was. We were raised on HR Puff and stuff. Go look that up.
0: The Chicago Bulls, just two quick things on the Bulls. I like Kobe White. I think Kobe White's had a nice season for them. And I can't quit Pat Williams. I just can't quit him. <laughs> they use him as a screener sometimes with Vooch spacing in the floor. I like Pat Williams. He's only 21 years old, by the way. Um none of these teams are all that interesting. They the Haw- the Hawks I've been watching the Hawks a lot cuz I want to see the Quinn Snyder factor and I feel like I just haven't seen it yet. Other than Trey Young seems to be trying a little bit on defense, which is nice. That's that's the one I've I've just been gravitating to their games cuz I want to see this team's been so mid-range heavy. So old school, so your turn, my turn. Here comes this mad genius, creative coach. What does he want to do with this team? And other than like a kongwu shooting a three now and then, and Trey and Dejounte pairing up in pick and rolls, I just haven't, I haven't seen all. Like it doesn't. You wouldn't watch them and be like, well, something changed. They must have a new coach. Like if you didn't know, you wouldn't. I don't know. So uh, that's that's it. But they're, they'll make the play in. Shoot. Yeah. If you ask me to pick right now who's making the playoffs from this group, let's say Brooklyn stays in 6th. If they fall into the play in they're going to be vulnerable. I don't care what seed they are. If they're 7th, they're going to be vulnerable to getting beaten twice as the Clippers were last year. Let's say they stay 6th. I'm taking Miami and Atlanta. I think Miami shoe it. There's I just can't see Miami not getting out of the play in. If they if they're stuck in it, they'll get out of it. And I just think on talent, like no one is scared of Atlanta. They just They don't bring the same kind of physicality as Toronto. But I just think they're more coherent maybe. But Toronto's been pretty good. Toronto with Pirtle's been good. It's going to be fun. These teams have have something to play for. And my favorite thing about the tournament, uh, the play-in tournament, is how we get to this point in the season and you feel yourself saying things. You have this out-of-body experience. I do. When I'm saying to myself, oh, man. Washington, Indiana tonight. Like, that's a big, that's a big game. It's like a big game, and then the out of body part of you is like, dude, you're calling that a big game? Like that's a that game sucks. Like the playing has really tricked you, but they've created all these like fake like lot at stake tonight in Washington, in the nation's capital. Pacers in town, big playing implications. You're like, oh, okay, I'm excited. You, you know, you know what
1: gets like, uh, yes. Uh, by the way. To all of that and again kudos to the nba because the play-in has made these games more meaningful which is the point like we could we can joke about the fact that ultimately and eh, whatever it's just for the honor of getting eliminated in the first round or if it's for the honor of, of losing the play-in and, and having that humiliation but it, it has given us stakes this late in the season that we didn't have before and it's made these games more meaningful so teams are actually trying and their fans are actually engaged all of that's good but nothing can amp up a game the way that Draymond Green dropping a podcast hours before with video attached. By the way, great production value there. Kudos to his producers for putting up the print version of the quotes from Dylan Brooks and then highlighting them so that as Draymond went through it, like great production value, great show, phenomenally done. I actually decided at one point yesterday, this is what I want. Like I want uh, Draymond, especially once he gets to retirement, just every day, just, just, just trash talk. Somebody just rip the out of somebody uh in a public way that is so entertaining for about two three minutes that it's like well, i just heard that i gotta watch this game tonight now of course it helps that draymond was involved in it and you know dylan brooks was involved in it but like i just i want some version of that every day like i was all i i, I tweeted yesterday like i fell off my chair <laughs> watching that video and it was like you couldn't wait to turn on that game uh we we need some some version of that for the play-in teams um so I, I don't know. Uh maybe uh, you know, uh Paulo Banquero uh needs to to like do a you know a three minute podcast with video and some highlighted text from somewhere. Um, well there was
0: a banquero DeJounte Murray thing over the summer. There um, we go. St- Semming for one of the Seattle Pro and games. Maybe we can lean into that. That's right. Uh, That's right. I, I'm See? at the point with the Warriors where I feel like and I, I say this facetiously, I watch a lot of their games. I feel like I don't even need to watch them anymore because I just like, where's the game? Okay. I know what's gonna happen. Like it's just it's it's crazy. In Oklahoma City, they'll get rolled. Okay. In Memphis, they'll get rolled. Yeah. Oh, it's in the Chase Center. Don't look like a seventy-three win team. Amazing. Howard Beck, uh, it's wonderful to see you. Uh I hope to see you soon. That bridge in the background looks very nice. The Brooklyn Bridges. Um I'm Yeah. You can find his old work at Sports Illustrated and his new work will be at Place T B D, which will be incredibly lucky to have him. Um, shame on SI Howard Beck great to see you
1: great to see you too my friend best to your family thank you And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds.
0: Direct TV has the most MLB games. Call one 800 TV. Claim
1: based on total games carried on sports networks. Sports availability varies by zip code and requires choice package. Terms or restrictions apply.